As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me today a very special guest. I am slightly fangirling, which is rare. Her name is Jody Sternoff Cohen. She is a best selling author. She's an award winning journalist. She is a functional practitioner and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils. Many of you know it well. She has combined her training in nutritional therapy and aromatherapy to create unique proprietary blends of organic, wild-crafted essential oils. But that is not the most fun part of Jody Cohen. She has helped over 50,000 clients heal from brain-related challenges, including anxiety, insomnia, and autoimmunity. And for the past decade, you've lectured at wellness centers, conferences, corporations on brain health, uh, the effect of essential oils on stress, detoxification. You've been spotted in the New York Times, Elephant Journal, numerous publications. Um, Jody's website, if you want to look right now as you listen, which I would recommend, is vibrantblueoils.com. And I have so many questions for you, but the very first is how on earth did you? discover, get to this place where you are really a voice for so many doctors, naturopaths, herbalists, chiropractors, health coaches, nutritionists, supporting tens of thousands of clients on a regular basis. How did this come to pass? You know, it was really necessity is the mother of invention. I hit a rock bottom where I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was so adrenally fatigued that I was not functioning, which was not useful because my kids were five and seven. I had a full-time job and I had just had to check my husband into a residential treatment facility for depression. And so I had been dabbling in nutrition for enough time that I knew what remedies were supposed to help, but nothing was moving the needle. And fortunately, I had helped a friend with a fundraiser. And as a thank you gift, they got me a big box of essential oils. And when they came to drop it off, they said, um, you know, you've been really chronically stressed for such a long time, probably a decade. And that triggers the release of the stress hormone cortisol, which also contributes to systemic inflammation. I bet your gut is so inflamed that nothing you're ingesting is actually getting into your system. You know, oils kind of go through alternate pathways. They can go through your skin. They can travel through um, your nose, your sense of smell, your olfactory channel, and maybe this will help. And I thought, okay, you know, I've tried everything else. Why not? And I knew a, a testing uh, mechanism that made it really efficient to identify what remedy would help. It's a technique called muscle testing. So I muscle tested the box, you know, will anything in here help my adrenals? And the response was so strong, I did a double take. I thought, okay, you know, 
this might help. Let's try it. And then I was trying to narrow it down to one oil and I kept getting the same five, which was highly unusual. Usually I would get like one remedy, maybe two. And then it occurred to me, oh, wait a minute, they're liquid. You can combine them. So being a complete oil newbie, I grabbed a shot glass out of my kitchen, uh, tested each of the oils to figure out how many drops, made my first blend. You know, I knew enough about physiology that I knew the adrenals are the most accessible on the low back. So I put oil on my low back and I felt like myself for the first time in weeks. Um, Yeah. What oils were they? Uh, They're the oils that are now in our adrenal blend, which I detail in the book. But um, it's a bunch of stimulatory oils, which is interesting because it's balancing. It doesn't just stimulate the adrenals. You know, if you're overproducing cortisol, it also helps to kind of uh, modulate that and calm that down. But Mm -hmm. it's cinnamon, galbanum, manuka, rosemary, and thyme. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've noted in my studies of you and your work that what's most interesting is you would think, my listener, that you one would want um, an oil that would be more calming for an application on the adrenals. But having studied your work for now several months, Jody, what I know is that when you put a stimulatory oil on a space such as your adrenals, you're actually stimulating the rebalancing. Yeah, you're not overstimulating the adrenals themselves. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Think of um, an orchestra, right? Every instrument has its own tone, its own sound, its own frequency. Every organ in the system kind of has its own healthy rhythm. And when things get out of balance, that rhythm gets out of balance. And so there are a lot of uh, frequency medicines, like sound is a frequency medicine, color, Um, any kind of plant medicine, be it like herbs or um, oils or uh, flower essences, what they're all doing is trying to return you to balance. Like the difference I think between Western medicine and uh, natural medicine is that Western medicine has remedies to mask the symptoms. Uh, Natural medicine is just trying to return the body to balance because when the body is in balance, the symptoms fall away. And then I would like to bring us almost directly into the five steps in the book because I like to keep these podcasts pretty brief, but I know that we'll touch in on this again. In the five steps in your book, which is entitled Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body, we will have all the links for you in the show notes, of course. The five steps are step one, shifting the nervous system into the parasympathetic gear. If you're listening to us right now, you pretty much know the difference between your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic. Parasympathetic being the one that literally prepares you to slow down. Um, That's how I remember it with the P. The next step, improving sleep, detoxifying the brain. Step three, fueling your brain with energy to heal. And we talk about circulation, blood sugar, uh, and improving focus in step three. Step four, reducing stress, improving mood, losing weight. Step five, modulating your immune system, calming inflammation. And then part two, you go into implementing the five steps. This book is, all I'm saying is I have three books that I love that I will never, ever give up. This one, 
I have the gifts of the essential oils, which is the complete opposite side of the spectrum, all energy, all vibration. And another one, which is quite obscure on Chinese medicine and aromatherapy. This one, however, is just ridiculous. It's small. You can hold it in your hand. It's Jody, I have to say, as a fellow sort of dork writer, your writing is incredibly concise and precise, and I really appreciate it. And I think we should start with step one in terms of the vagus nerve and the parasympathetic state. I know you have blends for this, which we're going to recommend, and I strongly encourage you to do that while you're talking. But my first question is extremely specific for a dear teammate of mine. When we are applying blends or oils in order to stimulate the parasympathetic nerve and to tone the vagus nerve, which I know you'll talk about shortly. Do we put it behind the ear on the mastoid bone or is that above the ear? Can you clarify? Behind. It's behind, behind the ear. And I'll, I'll get into that. And one thing, uh, thank you for the compliment. I was trained as a journalist. And what people don't realize is journalism is not just writing. It's kind of looking for what the headline news is. And the whole point of this book was really the headline news because I would see people and they would come in with hand to heart, a file folder full of all these test results. And they would start by telling me how complicated they were and how difficult you know, it was gonna be to help them. And I started to realize that that was all data points and kind of irrelevant because when I start to talk to people, all of them had these five things out of balance. All of them were stuck in stress. All of them weren't sleeping. You know, They might be mobilizing toxins, but the toxins weren't leaving the body. All of them lacked energy and all of them had kind of the immune system in the, the wrong gear. I mean, oils do many things, as you know, and they can be very valuable in many ways. I feel like they're incredibly, for the five things that were out of balance, I really felt like oils were the easiest solution. And that's why I wrote this book, because oils are so accessible. They're so do-it-yourself. They're so easy. And I just wanted to empower people to, A, understand why oils work. B, understand what was out of balance and how easy it was to put that back in balance. You know, almost like if you're driving and you turn left and you wanted to go right, it's not that hard to turn around and go in the other direction. And then just really specifically with the right oil and the right application point. And what's interesting, looping back to your question about behind the ear. So everything's a journey. And as a journalist, I'm constantly asking, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder why it works. So I had been a, a yoga practitioner for years and I was well aware of parasympathetic. And once I started realizing how um, oils get into the system, both you know through the nose, which kind of traverses the blood brain barrier or through the skin, I was trying to figure out how to shift people into parasympathetic. And early on, I assumed that that meant sedative oils like lavender, chamomile, and they're one of the indicators that you're accessing your parasympathetic nervous system is your heart rate variability. And there's a, a great device called the Aura Ring that helps track that. So I was playing with oils and seeing if my Aura Ring changed and nothing really moved the needle. And then I stumbled upon some research that a New York neuroscientist was doing where he was actually surgically implanting a pacemaker-like device behind the earlobe on that mastoid bone. And the reason being... The vagus nerve, it's important to understand the anatomy. It connects the brain to the body and the body to the brain. So when you think about kind of where it travels, it starts at the base of the head, splits, 
winds around both sides behind the earlobes, and that is where it is the thickest and the most accessible to the surface. It then winds through the throat, the mouth, the heart, the lungs, every organ of digestion and detoxification. So for example, it innervates the gallbladder. So if you do a coffee enema that stimulates the gallbladder, you stimulate the vagus nerve. Low compliance on that one. Deep breathing, that can activate the vagus nerve. That's one reason that everyone loves yoga because it really um, forces you to breathe correctly. You know, gagging yourself with a tongue depressor, gargling, all of those things activate the vagus nerve, but the easiest point of access is right behind that earlobe on the mastoid bone. So when Kevin Tracy was stimulating that with an electrical device, he was getting amazing results. And the FDA certified this technique for uh, migraines, depression, and epilepsy. But what the big aha for me was stimulate. I thought, oh, it's not sedating, it's stimulating. And so then I promptly began playing with different stimulatory oils. And as your listeners who blend oils know, there's some chemistry involved, right? So cloves seem to be the most stimulatory, but it's got medium-sized molecules. So it takes about 20 minutes to get through the skin. When you combine it with a citrus oil like lime that has much smaller molecules, it makes it a much more efficient, quick hit. You know, then layer in fractionated coconut oil, coconut oil that is designed to stay liquid at any temperature, and it makes it a really efficient delivery model to stimulate that point without any surgery, without any, you know, coffee enema or gagging or gargling just a really easy, simple way to kind of shift the body into the parasympathetic state. It's ridiculously effective. Um, I've been using the clove and lime since I listened to you on Ben's podcast, Greenfield. Um, And I also have an aura ring and I've also seen a difference in my HRV. How about that? Yeah. Wild. Um, What are the best times of day to use this blend of clove and lime and fractionated coconut oil? behind the ear? You know, it really, it kind of goes back to when are you going to remember? So if someone's new to oils or new to this technique, I say, leave it by your toothbrush and do it when you brush your teeth. Because if you link one habit to another habit, it's easier to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Ideally, it's great to use before meals because it's really what turns on the whole digestive cascade. You know, most people don't realize Um, you know, they're killing themselves to like cook and prepare nutrient dense whole food meals. But if you eat those under stress, you're only really, um, you know, assimilating and absorbing a fraction of the nutrients. So it's really helpful to shift into the parasympathetic nervous system to turn on your whole digestive cascade. Talk to us about neck congestion. This is something that you touch on right around page 66. Um, I'm curious about it. It's part of the sleep and detoxifying the brain chapter, but it stands out to myself and to one other friend of mine. Um, What is one way to use the oils to help open the drainage pathways in the neck? I'm so curious about this. Yeah, so I'm really fortunate in Seattle because we're kind of a hub for naturopathic medicine. And there are a couple practitioners here, you know, Bastier is here. So a lot of the practitioners focus on chronic illness and Lyme and they're my friends. And I kept hearing the same theme over and over. One of the reasons that there is inflammation in the brain is because the immune system responds to toxins like it does pathogens. So when toxins are not mobilized because you're not sleeping, or can't actually exit the brain because there's congestion in the neck. 
and the neck is really the biggest bottleneck in the body, they then recirculate in the brain. You know, it's a little bit like um, oh. trying to, one time I was driving my daughter to Portland and a FedEx truck literally jackknifed. The whole side was open, all the packages. Uh, we we didn't move, literally didn't move for five hours while they cleaned off the freeway. And I always think of that example when I'm trying to help people visualize, you know, if there is congestion and there's a lot going on in the neck, you've got your lymph, you've got your structure, you've got your muscles, you've got your nerves, like your vagus nerve, your arteries. And think of it, if you've ever been in the middle seat in an airplane between two linebackers and you're like, there's no way your arms are going on the armrest. There's barely room. You're just so congested because they're taking up space and they're compressing into you. So mm. one of my colleagues, Dr. Christine Schaffner, who's really renowned for treating chronic illness, started playing with, she actually started taking um, sonograms, pictures like ultrasounds of the neck with a, a researcher, Dr. Marco Ruggiero, and they, they could physically see the congestion. And then they started playing with, well, what remedy makes a difference? So they would topically apply different things and take different pictures. And it turned out that topically applying essential oils with castor oil really moved the needle the fastest. And all of a sudden the congestion lessens, everything starts to flow. You know, after they finally cleaned up the FedEx truck and got it out of the way, then traffic right. moved. Right. Why castor oil? Castor oil has a really powerful effect. It's really great for anti-inflammation. And I just say that because a lot of people, um, they're on budgets or they, they want affordable solutions. Like castor oil on the bottom of the feet before bed is a really powerful tool over the liver and the gallbladder along the sides of the neck. It just helps to calm inflammation and remove stagnation. Thank you for that. That's an important fact. And I don't want my listener to lose track of that. Put castor oil on your shopping list and use it with socks. Yeah, buy it in a glass bottle because it's detoxifying. So if you're buying it in a plastic bottle, it's pulling the plastic and it, just buy it in a glass bottle. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now we've touched a little bit on the sleep chapter as well as the, uh, the very first chapter, the vagus nerve parasympathetic. Are you cool if we move on to the fueling of the brain with yeah. energy? Okay. Talk to us a little bit about what you feel is the most important, let's say, I don't know, top two to three oils. And even if it's one of your blends, talk about that to fuel the brain with the energy to heal itself. Yeah. So what brain fuel is either oxygen or blood sugar, right? And how does fuel travel to the brain through your vascular system? So Again, the more you can kind of dilate the vasculature, the more space there is for the good things to get in and bad things to get out. So we do have a blend called Circulation that has a lot of these oils, but cypress oil is amazing. Uh, black pepper is amazing. Um, peppermint, you know, th there are a lot of great oils that you can kind of put on your neck, any of the mints actually, to help um, dilate the vasculature. And then it's interesting, I talk a lot about reflex points and the way you can find reflex points is they're often divots. Everyone kind of knows frankincense is a great one for brain health because it just opens everything up. But my favorite place to apply it, if you feel on the back of the head, like kind of trace up from the neck to the head, you'll feel that divot. I like that application point. I find that to be really great. Um, you know, and the other one that I love is blue tansy. 
It's an expensive oil. We include it in our histamine balance blend. It's in a lot of blends. It's really great for kind of removing both physical and emotional congestion. But I find especially, you know, at this time on the planet when there are so many kind of respiratory concerns, that's a really good one to help you breathe more fully. And cypress, blue tansy, the oils that you've mentioned, when you make your blends, you are diluting with fractionated coconut oil, correct? Correct. Yes. And and we um, under dilute compared to what a lot of people recommend because, you know, it's kind of like oh, vitamin D is another great one for right now. And people megadose because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's kind of a, a therapeutic way to use things and then maintenance, right? Sure. Uh, like when you're training for the marathon and the longest you've run is two miles, you have to work up to six, then 12, you know, then 26. But once you've done 26, you can kind of maintain it. It's easier to maintain than it is to get there. So we kind of, uh, we keep a lot of intensity in the oil and recommend either inhaling it directly from the bottle or just using a very small amount. Yeah. Okay, perfect. A lot of the blood flow conversation in this chapter, we're on page 83. So many people suffer from poor circulation. So they're having cold hands, cold feet, etc. Um, a lot of this points to a lack of circulation, headaches, vertigo, insomnia, other medical conditions like depression, like dementia, chronic fatigue, anxiety, um, panic disorder, even Lyme disease can be supported with the use of essential oils by increasing the amount of oxygen that gets to the brain. Can you speak a little bit about this, please? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tons of research, like hyperbaric oxygen (laughs) chambers seems to help everyone. That seems to be the best thing for um, long haul COVID cases. And the more you can get the good things in and, and help clear the bad things out, the faster people are going to heal. And what it really is, is just vasodilation. You know, if more fluid can flow through the space more quickly, then it gets to the brain more quickly. Like black pepper, which is hot and I wouldn't use on its own, but, um, you know, you can, you can start adding it to your food. Black mm-hmm. pepper is a vasodilator. Like this mm-hmm. uh, clinician that I vastly admired, Jatis Karazian, talks about how he adds it to all of his supplements because it enhances assimilation, right? Right. You mentioned him in the, in the book, actually. Several times, because I think he's just brilliant. My favorite people, honestly, are the clinicians who also do research, which is kind of how I do blends. I notice things, I play with what solution is going to work, and then I research why. You know, it's like parenting. It's (laughs) My best advice was always from the other mothers, not the pediatricians, not the parenting classes. You have to think so quickly on the fly, and when you come up with something that's a win, you keep it. People on the ground. Yeah. Your last point in this particular chapter is that the oils that are high in sesquiterpenes, which includes your black pepper, your cedarwood, frankincense, ginger, which was a lifesaver for me after a surgery that I had, myrrh, patchouli, sandalwood, spikenard, even vetiver, may, emphasis on the may, help oxygenate your brain. Sesquiterpenes are carbon chains that do not contain oxygen molecules, this is all your words, but seem to pull oxygen in. This may be one reason why essential oils high in sesquiterpenes increase oxygen levels in the brain when inhaled or topically applied to the skin around the head. I have made a blend for myself in the morning, which I love, that has your black pepper, thank you, basil, or basil for my UK friends, 
turmeric, and uh, oregano, diluted, obviously. And I apply it to my liver and my adrenals. And I can't tell you the boost of energy that I get in the morning these days. Yeah. I mean, oxygen is really the key. I believe that's why, you know, um, I just read a blog this week about energy and exercise, how exercise is the single best thing you can do for your health. But I think Mm -hmm. it's because I think that the movement helps the lymph, but I also think that it forces you to breathe correctly. And so you get better oxygen in your system. Yeah, that makes sense. The next section is about blood sugar. This applies to me. I had super high blood sugar for quite some time. I didn't realize that I was like carb loading like a maniac. Had no idea. Um, We're on in the book, if you have the book, which most of my listeners probably do, uh, page 87. Improving blood sugar balance enhances brain function, okay? Supplying your brain with the energy it needs to operate can be a delicate balancing act. When blood sugar is low, not enough glucose gets to the brain, your brain will start to degenerate and not function well. If there isn't enough glucose in the brain, your brain's neurotransmitters, which are the chemical messengers in the brain, cannot communicate effectively. Uh, Similarly, when neurons lose the ability to use glucose efficiently as a fuel, brain cells begin to atrophy, okay? This is the important part. This was a big wake-up for me. If your energy levels change with your meals, we're on page 88, it may indicate a blood sugar imbalance. If energy and focus are enhanced after eating, you're likely dealing with low blood sugar. If eating makes you feel lethargic or fatigued, you likely have high blood sugar. Um, Unstable blood sugar can trigger all kinds of brain symptoms like exhaustion, insomnia, anxiety, depression, brain fog. So I have high blood sugar and I experience that slight fatigue. Although now that I know to eat protein when I eat carbs, it's so much better. Um, But all of this, whether you're on the low or high end of the spectrum, all of it increases production of inflammatory proteins associated with a heightened immune response. This is precisely not what we want, especially in times like this where let's call them seasonal threats are high. <laughs> yeah. Um, causes high cortisol levels and damage and atrophy in the hippocampus, which, as you know from the um, study on the United Kingdom taxi drivers, they have very um, expanded hippocampuses or hippocampi. That's a huge part of your memory, brain function. So stabilizing blood sugar is super important. All of this to say, let us talk about what oils we would use, one would use to stabilize blood sugar and help to sensitize insulin receptors. Yeah. And the ones that I um, give research on in the book are peppermint and cinnamon. And we actually have that. Uh, it's similar to other companies blend. We call it a uh, blood sugar balance, but you know, it's mm-hmm. like the celery and the cinnamon and, um, lemon, ginger, but basically, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting. Um, I know people add it to water. I'm, if you add it to water and you love it, I'm never going to take that away from you. It's like when people come to see me and they're like, I can't live without coffee. I'm not taking your coffee away, but play with trying a drop just on the inside of the cheek and see if that has um, a more immediate effect because the capillaries are really close to the surface on the inside of the cheek. I found that to be a faster route to kind of calming down. I found smelling peppermint to be really helpful. There's some really interesting research, like smell is very tied to appetite. 
you know, you smell food. That's how you keep yourself alive. If something smells like you smell the milk, if it smells like it's gone bad, you don't drink it. That's actually one of the reasons that, um, you know, when you get older and you lose your sense of smell, you're more likely to die from food poisoning because you can't smell that something is rotten. So smelling peppermint before meals really does cut your appetite. It does something to the parts of your brain that kind of balance your um, satiety, your either cravings or fullness are the hypothalamus and then the um, parasympathetic nervous system plays into that. So the more you can balance those two parts of the brain and try Mm -hmm. to eat in the parasympathetic state, the more you're able to tune into your natural hunger rhythms and kind of Mm -hmm. alleviate blood sugar issues. Um, I also have found intermittent fasting does a nice job of letting your body have that natural rest so that uh, blood sugar levels can be rebalanced and calming inflammation. Yes. Okay. That helps a lot. Um, Page 103. We go into stimulating your brain and improving focus. I would like for my listener, when you get a moment to read about your prefrontal cortex um, and all of the symptoms that would be associated with ADD and ADHD, balancing the brain's hemispheres. Of course, we use breath work. Of course, um, we have Jody lists a panic attack hack actually on page 98, which is awesome. Um, strategically inhaling essential oils like lavender or orange, through your left nostril to activate your left frontal lobe and balance the overactivity of the right frontal lobe. Here again is a paradoxical, non-intuitive, but super makes sense to me, solution. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I want you to say it, actually. You say it. There is a whole branch of chiropractic called functional neurology, where they actually look at the different regions and hemispheres of the brain and figure out how they can put it into balance to help put you into balance. In fact, there's a a practitioner out of Chicago, Dr. Robert Melilio, that's written several books on the topic. And he has said he thinks most of us are... um, you know, left hemisphere dominant, like a lot of people, most people, their head tilts naturally to the right because we're trying to balance it. But what's interesting is the right side is more of the ruminating side of the brain. So when we have uh, anxiety attacks, and I am certainly familiar with this both personally and uh, as a parent and professionally, that is the right frontal lobe, the right forehead that is being overactive. So the way to put the brain in balance is to do anything to stimulate the left forehead. And the most direct way to do that is to smell anything through the left nostril. The left nostril goes directly to the left forehead. So smelling something three to seven breaths, it stimulates the left frontal lobe, balances the two hemispheres, and the anxiety attack goes away. The benefits are additive and cumulative. You know, we often talk about how stressors are additive and cumulative, but just like exercise, you know, the first time, if you go back to the gym and you haven't done something in a while, you're sore. But after doing it for a while, you're not as sore. Your body gets used to it. After stimulating your left hemisphere for a while, your brain gets used to being in balance and goes back more quickly. Okay. So that said, we now have on page uh, 103, finally I got there, the forehead application points. These associate with Chinese medicine. We have stomach eight on both sides of your forehead. Yeah. We have gallbladder 14. Both sides of your forehead getting closer to the brow, gallbladder seven, your temples. Um, and all of these are stimulatory 
along these meridians, which are really energy pathways in the body that, as you say, nourish, maintain, and support your oxygen systems, um, all of these are helping to remove blockages in the system, in that line, in that meridian, all throughout the body, not just in that one point. So stomach meridian, gallbladder meridian. When I do these applications, and I've done them a lot, and I always dilute. I don't know what your feeling is on dilution. I know that you like to keep your oils intense. I think uh, when you're applying to the face, you should totally dilute. The face is so sensitive and you don't Mm. want to burn it. And even like the sleep oil, um, Mm. I try to apply it around the pituitary gland. I don't apply anything on the face before bed because so many people toss and turn and you really don't want anything to get in your eyes. Sure. And then- uh, what I do want to point out for my listener is gallbladder seven. A lot of people get headaches lately. I've found people hit me up all the time for this. Um, this is a good spot. It's your temples, the right that depression in your lower temple, about a half an inch outside your eyebrows. Um, oils applied on this point, you say improve memory, concentration, enhance mental state, and also can help to reduce dizziness and headaches. Indeed, if you had to call on one oil. For someone who gets chronic headaches. Chamomile. Great. Roman chamomile or German? Roman. Great. Okay. Step four, reducing stress, improving mood, losing weight. God bless you. Uh, We talk a little bit on page 105 about physical stress, environmental stress, physiological stress. We talk about the impact on the three regions of your brain on page 107, the sympathetic nervous system, of course, your HPA axis, your stress response, and of course, your limbic uh, system. I really want my listener to get this book. I'm going to include the link for it, but I want you to read about it. What's interesting about this HPA axis, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, this is where you really start to look at how the brain affects and communicates with and impacts and is impacted by your adrenals. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about this? Because I know a lot of people who have chronic cortisol issues like you did. um, And I want to talk about how to sort of unwind that. Yeah. And my friend Deanna Minnick did an amazing blog. It might've been a couple of years back where she really talked about this. So the way it works is the hypothalamus is kind of the CEO of the endocrine system. And it's really taking in all the information and monitoring everything at all times. And then its chief operating officer would be the pituitary and then, you know, the endocrine glands like the thyroid, the adrenals, those would be kind of further down the chain of command. So when a stressor comes into our system, the hypothalamus instructs the pituitary to tell the adrenals to release cortisol. Most people know that and most people think the problem is the adrenals. What they don't realize is that it's something called a negative feedback loop, which works like a a thermos system in your house, right? Thermostat. It's freezing cold. You want the room to be, I don't know, 70. Once it hits 70, it turns off. It doesn't get to be a sauna. But in order to do that, the thermostat needs to register, you know, appropriate information, make sure it's turning off at the right time. The hypothalamus, when it gets completely overwhelmed, it becomes like your phone. It starts glitching. And if it's glitching, it's not necessarily recognizing when cortisol levels are sufficient. So just like your phone, there's a reboot button. And that is the hypothalamus blend. And I find like when people are switched, meaning that, um, you know, something that's supposed to help them fall asleep keeps them wide awake, (laughs) something that's supposed to help them relax, makes them really anxious. You know, if you trace up from kind of um, the point at the top of your nose between your eyes and feel that divot, 
that's the best point to put the hypothalamus blend on. And that is a combination of mandarin, frankincense, bay rum, pine, and patchouli. Um, and I'm learning more, you know, pine, mm. pine is becoming a really hot commodity. And I, I live in Seattle surrounded by pine. Pine is a really interesting one for kind of rebooting the brain. Uh, my mother-in-law sent me this article about the pine stand in Central Park and how the chemistry that the pine trees emit have been found to help people heal from all kinds of big C chronic issues. And I was blown away so much so my company doTERRA doesn't carry pine. So I went and bought it from Living Libations, but now I'm going to get this blend of yours as well. Well, I'm, I'm actually working on something. I'm going to call it Sovereign Tea, T-E-A. That's pine, and I, I'm playing with it so it tastes better, but um, yes. some other oils so that you could just put a drop in a little bit of warm water because it's really good with big C shedding. Yeah, big C shedding, totally. Okay, awesome. Anything else on this particular chapter, pituitary adrenals, before we move on to improving mood? No, the only thing that I would say, being kind of a um, recovering uh, type A overachiever, is to let yourself rest when you're tired. Don't feel like you have to keep chugging. You know, my daughter is an athlete and I always make her take days off and she is always surprised when she goes back like, oh, I did better. You know, you, you need to integrate rest and recovery and oils are a really good way to do that. I also, I'm sure you love Epsom salt baths. Um, with C, I added a new ingredient. My recipe is two cups of Epsom salt, one cup of baking soda. And then I use the bathtub as a mixing bowl and add in the water, but I've been adding just a teaspoon of borax because that helps with shedding. And it mm. seems to make a really big difference. Five people mentioned it and I was like, all right, that's enough where I'm, uh, I'm going to go with it, but I can tell that it's helping. I am putting borax and castor oil now in a glass bottle on my list. Um, <laughs> what's funny is that I had a doctor, a very, very holistic doctor back in the day, a long time ago, when this was an issue for me, who prescribed a borax wash. I want to say it was for yeast infection. You know why we have it in the house? Because when making slime was a thing, borax is a of slime course. ingredient. So we have tons of borax from, from that phase. It's so wild, but yeah. that I remember it working super, super well, and I couldn't figure out why. Interesting. Okay, it's, cool. It's detoxifying, and it seems to help you shed nanoparticles. I don't know why it works, but it's kind of amazing. Wow. Nanoparticles. Here we go. EMFs for another day. Yeah. Um, we're on page 115, improving mood. Let's talk about neurotransmitters for a moment. These are the chemicals that the brain uses to regulate all the critical functions in your body, breathing, heart rate, insulin, uh, muscle, appetite, digestion, mood, concentration, sleep, everything. A neurotransmitter is released from the surface of one brain cell into an extracellular space outside the cell, which forms part of the synapse, which is the connecting space between two brain cells. Once this chemical is released into the synapse, it travels across the space, binds to specific proteins, which are called cell receptors, that are located on the surface of the receiving brain cell. When the neurotransmitter binds to these receptors, it sets up a cascade of chemical reactions within the receiving cell to carry the electrical signal through that cell and farther into your brain, okay? 
We know that pharmaceutical drugs, God bless Western medicine, use the same pathways to support emotional and psychological concerns, anxiety, depression. We all know people who are on them. I love them. Thank God. All kinds of different drugs bind to cell receptors in your brain to help enhance mood and other functions in the brain. Your diagram, first of all, on page 116 is awesome. Oh, thank you. But here's how essential oils impact neurotransmitters. And this is what I'd like to talk about with you. Um, They work in the same way to stimulate these chemicals in the brain when you inhale an essential oil. Can you speak to how the oil calls on uh, neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine to help us change our state? It's, I mean, I guess I look at it differently. I look at it as, you know, most of the serotonin is made in the gut. And so when you help support normal gut function, that kind of unfolds in a cleaner way. The other thing that I really think is happening is that it's more about the receptors than it is the actual neurotransmitter. You know, before we got on this, um, we were on a connection where I couldn't hear you and didn't matter what you were saying. I couldn't hear you, you know, If the cell receptor isn't taking in the message, it doesn't matter if there's sufficient levels of neurotransmitters in the system. So one thing I think oils really do, they remove stagnation and congestion. But I think that a lot of the um, toxins in our environment gum up the receptor sites. And I think oils kind of help clear the cell receptors, the cell membranes, so that messages are more clearly communicated. That is a really cool way to think about it, clearing the gummy spaces. It's kind of how we started this whole thing with the gummy spaces and the sides of your neck and your lymph channels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, Smell and depression. Can you speak a little bit about your findings there? I know that's on a few people's minds. Yeah, it depends. Certain oils like rose, I mean, I've certainly had my own uh, battle with hard things and, you know, yucky feelings. Rose immediately, there, there's some interesting research. Um, this woman, Linda Buck, basically smell keeps us alive because we can smell food, we can smell water, we can smell predators. So there are specific odor receptors that are dedicated to predators. And Linda Buck looked at what cancels that out, that kind of negative feeling. And it turned out to be rose. Rose essential oil lifts mood. There's also a really interesting correlation with helping to kind of shift into the parasympathetic nervous system to activate depression. But what I found most interesting, I was actually at an event, this guy, Stephen Coulter, who talks about the flow state. And someone asked a question that he didn't answer. They were asking, what can you do to alleviate depression and anxiety at the same time? And sometimes when people don't answer things, I'm like, huh, I wonder, like, what would I say to that? So I was thinking about it in the classroom and I'm like, oh, I know what it is because what they find is that a lot of times depression is underactivity of the prefrontal cortex. And also um, anxiety kind of plays between the amygdala, which is kind of the fear center of the brain and the prefrontal cortex. It's almost like the more you activate your prefrontal cortex, the more you calm your amygdala. So both anxiety and depression seem to benefit from stimulating the prefrontal cortex. And the easiest way to do that is to smell things. Right. Okay, perfect. And when it comes to the endocrine glands, thyroid, uh, a lot of folks are having thyroid issues, weight loss issues, uh, hormone imbalance. Um, I've talked about this ad nauseum with many different people, but I've never really understood it as well as the way that you explained it starting on page 123. What have your findings been with regards to the oils that you've made and created? 
um, and how they're working to help folks who are suffering from this. So, you know, with the thyroid, most people think, oh, it's just applying oils to the thyroid and people kind of know frankincense and myrrh are good and they're fine, but that's not the problem. The reason you're having thyroid problems, it's because the adrenals and the liver and the gut are kind of, um, you know, not really showing up the way they can. So it's throwing other things off. My friend and colleague, Isabella Wentz, actually has great books on this. I have Hashimoto's. And what I've found is that when I actually start supporting my liver, that makes all the difference in the world to me because, you know, for the thyroid, I have a great blog on this, but there's a huge correlation between, you know, liver and hormones and specifically thyroid hormones. So anything that you can do to make sure that the toxins are shepherded out of the body Think of your liver as Sisyphus, you know, the the Greek mythology character who would push the rock up the hill and then it would roll back down and he'd have to start all over again. So every day you have new toxins to be processed and the liver works very hard to do that. And then they're supposed to leave the body. If they don't leave the body and get recirculated, then your poor liver has to do not only today's new work, but yesterday's work. Mm -hmm. So the more you can help things actually get the garbage out, you know, actually leave the body. And this is why I talk about binders. I think oils are great for mobilizing, but the gut is often where um, toxins are reabsorbed. So as long as we can ensure that the toxins are actually leaving the body, doing that alone, like really lessens the burden on the thyroid. And, you know, there are a lot of great um, liver loving foods that you can eat, but oils, especially helichrysum and white grapefruit are fabulous for enhancing liver vitality. And are you of the mind that helichrysum and white grapefruit, or I guess grapefruit of any kind, can be diluted and then applied to the liver on the body topically? Yeah. And I actually use castor oil to dilute because I think that's a double bang for the buck. Oh, for sure. I remember doing a liver and gallbladder cleanse back in the day in the early 2000s. And the final days were wrapping my entire midsection around my liver with a castor oil soaked flannel and then saran wrap around me with a heating pad. And yeah. Um, there's a woman, I can't think of her last name, Marisol. She might be like castor oil queen or something. She invented like a pack that makes it slightly less messy. There are a lot of ways to skin an onion, right? Or whatever that yes. expression is. But, um, yes. you know, the easiest way to do it is just to wear a t-shirt that if it gets messy and stained, you don't find. Got it. Okay. That helps. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Perfect. We are now closing in on the end of the book. I'm really glad that we got to all this histamines. Um, this really excited me to understand this. It's really your brain's immune system. Can you talk a little bit about what that means in terms of the present day sort of situation that we're in? Yeah. So think about it like Goldilocks, right? It can either be too hot, too slow, or just right. And I think what's happening is that our systems are mostly running too hot and we're overreacting to everything. So histamine is kind of the natural immune response to um, anything to help kind of flush it out and get out of the system. But so many of us are kind of in this overreactive state. And we know about antihistamines like Benadryl, but the challenge is that histamine does some good things. So you don't necessarily just want to antihistamine it. You want to modulate it. You want to balance it. I love oils because they're very Goldilocks. They're not too hot. They're not too cold. They're just right. Blue tansy is the absolute best. It just modulates I think kind of everything. 
you know, and a combination of other oils in the histamine balance blend really help you fall in balance. And it's funny, like I've happened to be when people, you know, got stung by a bug or were having some kind of crazy reaction and histamine every single time seems to calm it down, like nip it in the bud, you know, their face goes from bright red and completely inflamed to calm and manageable Mm. immediately. Mm -mm -mm. And in terms of lastly, uh, reversing the inflammation in the brain, I know we've touched on this a couple of times. We're on page 137 in the book, and this goes on quite a bit. Uh, Listener, keep in mind too, there are lots of recipes at the end of the book to uh, play with. Strategies to boost the immune system with essential oils. We're on page 159 right now. Uh, As you mentioned, boosting good microbes support calming immune cells, improving liver function, as you mentioned with regards to Hashimoto's. Does that also apply for hypo? Yeah. Okay, great. So thyroid listener, hypo or hyper, please know that supporting your liver in any way is actually a really good idea too. And as Jody said, the oils that we use to support your liver, obviously helichrysum, grapefruit, and some others as well. Um, promoting protein digestion, super important. High levels of stomach acid are important. Enhance uh, immune calming cells. Uh, It goes on. The last is supporting immune function with hot oils. And I do want to touch on this because I do feel like I want to demystify the whole use of hot oils. I know for many years I had the oregano sitting there, just sitting there looking at me going, okay, what are you going to do with me? And I had no idea. I didn't feel safe. It smelled crazy. Now I use it every day, diluted. Can you speak a little bit to sort of acclimate our listener to oregano, thyme, clove, cinnamon, cassia, all the hot oils that are actually super um, helpful, useful, for lack of a better word at this time? There's a great story of um, the thieves during the bubonic plague that were stealing the gold teeth out of dead people's mouths. And when they were finally apprehended, they were offered a lesser sentence if they shared what kept them healthy. And it turned out to be this combination of hot oils. Heat, and I get into this in the book, is really your natural immune response, right? It helps to dilate the vasculature, let the white blood cells get into the system, really help your body move better, which is why we have hot tea, hot soup, you often spike a fever. Anything you can do to kind of heat up the body helps to speed up the healing. So these oils are good in that capacity. And then they also have tons of antimicrobial, antibacterial functions that are amazing. I find the safest application point, the bottom of the feet for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, The skin is thicker. So what hot means is that sometimes it makes your skin turn red or feel a little warm to the touch. And um, with the bottom of the feet, you're not likely to feel that intensity. Mm -hmm. I love to apply them before bed. You know, if I can get my kids to take a hot Epsom salt bath and then I put them on their feet, put socks on their feet. And often if they were starting to get a cold, they wake up completely fine. It just helps the body process through, you know, illness, viruses. They're all just kind of cleaning out. It's like cleaning house, cleaning out the immune system. It just helps, you know, if you have a friend come over and help you clean out the pantry, you get it done faster. So they're a little bit like the supportive friend. Perfect. Um, I can't thank you enough. And thanks for staying on task with me. I know we covered a lot in your book and I really appreciate the precision and again, the concise way in which you teach what you've come to understand your journalism background. I appreciate all of you and thank you so much for being here today, Jody. 
Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I can't wait. Now I get to make my order. I was waiting. I was waiting to talk to you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. I'll talk soon. Yes, have a wonderful day. You too. Bye, dear. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.